I want to share with you, uh, I, I, I feel like it's a word from the Lord today. Um, I, I received a confirmation almost as you guys were singing uh, the song about the Shekinah glory of the Lord. And I want to tie two texts of scriptures together. Also, the video seemed to bear witness. Uh, Dr. Morocco's video really spoke to my heart that, that what I have for you is, uh, is timely. And, and I want to tie two texts together. The first is in John chapter 7, and the second is in Exodus chapter 33. So um, John chapter 7, verse 37, just for the brevity of our time, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole story, just a couple of, couple of verses out of a really climactic moment in Jesus' life. It says, beginning with verse 37 of John 7, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. But he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus Christ was not yet glorified. And then... Uh, I don't know, this Bible's so big and bulky, it's really an argument for, for phones, I guess. But uh, Exodus 33, by the way, the title of my talk, the title of my talk today is simply this, please, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. Verse 12, Exodus 33, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. Then Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up. Don't bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? Then we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I'll do this thing that you've spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Please, show me your glory. And this, dear friends, is God's word. You may be seated. <clears throat> so the main idea of John chapter 7, this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, is that anyone who comes to Jesus is going to be sat. The thirst deep within them will be satisfied. But, but more than that, what comes out of you changes. What comes out of you changes. Two things. Something comes into you, and then what comes into you comes out of you. That's a picture of the Christian life. And the context for this moment with Jesus is, is a feast. And every feast 
Dr. Morocco's really emphasizing the feast. I love that. Every feast is a testimony. Is that a word you're familiar with? Testimony? It's just when we say what God has done. And so a feast is a testimony about what God has done, his faithfulness, particularly to the Jewish people. And in each of these feasts, they are emphasizing some aspect of the story of Moses. Story of Moses. That's why I tied the two scriptures together because for them, remembering Moses was very, very important because it was important for them. It'll be important for us as well. Here, here are some of Moses' testimonies, okay? Number one, he had a miraculous birth. Well, if you know the story or not, but during the day, they were, uh, there were too many Jewish, too many Hebrews in, under the Egyptian bondage. And so they said, well, we'll just kill. We'll just have infanticide. We'll kill all the little babies. But Moses' mama said, you're not going to kill my baby. And she put him in a basket. How many of you know this story already? Yeah. She said, we're going to put him in a basket. And he's floating down the river. And it just so happened that the daughter of Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, found the baby in the basket. And, uh, you know, Moses said, sister had followed the basket along and you know it was just amazing do you need somebody to help you take care of this baby and Pharaoh's daughter says yeah that would be really nice and so it so happened that Moses grows up both in the palace of Pharaoh with his natural mother nursing him and caring for him so he grew up with this you know this amazing privilege and yet he's growing up as as a Hebrew it's a testimony but then there's another testimony, and that would be the testimony of, I, I just call it the rescue story, because Moses was offended at the oppression that the Egyptians were placing upon his people, the Hebrews, and so one day he, he reacted, he murdered, I mean, you know this story of Moses, right? He, he murdered an Egyptian, he becomes a fugitive in the wilderness, and so there's Moses, his destiny, his, the whole trajectory of his life is damaged, but He's in the wilderness, and one day in the wilderness, he comes to a burning bush, and there's a voice in the burning bush, and it says, Moses, I got some plans for you, my man. <laughs> I got some plans for you. Go tell your grandpa, Pharaoh, go tell your grandpa, it's time to let my people go. And, and Moses argued at first because he didn't think he was qualified, but finally he engages God's assignment and goes, and, 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 and that begins what I call the third phase of Moses' testimony. We'll just call it the forging of faith because there was a lot of episodes, and I don't have time to tell all the details of this, but the climax is that, you know, finally Pharaoh lets the people go. They're running towards the Red Sea. Pharaoh changes his mind and releases the armies, and so, oh, no, we're in a trap now. We've got Pharaoh's armies coming from behind. We've got the Red Sea in front. What are we going to do? And God says, just watch this. <laughs> just stand still and watch what I'm about to do. And he breathed on the Red Sea and it opened up and they crossed on, on dry, dry ground. And, and uh, oh my goodness, it was an amazing miracle. And, and yet, as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, watch this, their faith failed. How could that even happen? I don't know, but they, their faith failed right on the other side of the Red Sea because God said, I'm going to not just get you out. I'm going to get you into the land that I've promised you. But when they, when they investigated the land, it seemed like the giants were so much stronger than the God that had just carried them through the Red Sea. And so their faith failed. And I don't know if I can say this here or not, but I'm going to. Some people get stuck with bad pastors and some pastors get stuck with bad people. 
But some pastors and some people find their sweet spot. And when that happens, that church is called KC. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was this one more part of the testimony. It's called wilderness grace. Wilderness grace. Because even though God's people had failed, they survived in the wilderness. And, and, and. You know, the feast, that's what it's actually about, their survival in the wilderness. That's why it's about tents, because God provided shelter. They didn't deserve it, but God provided shelter for them in the tents. And the feast is about manna, because every morning they woke up and there was bread on the ground. And and the feast is is about water, because every time they got thirsty, they would come to a rock. And out of the rock would come this amazing, amazing water. And, And this feast is about the Passover because they didn't die in their slavery, but the blood of a lamb protected them and liberated them. And and, and so all of this is is about testimonies. And you can imagine the reaction of the Jewish people when Jesus on the last day of the feast stood up and he said, I just want you guys to know that what you're celebrating that happened a long time ago, you can celebrate in a new way right now because I am your wilderness grace. And I am what Moses was talking about. I am the bread that showed up every morning and I am the shelter that protects. I am the rock from which all this water comes. And, and, And the point of his dramatic moment was for him to say to all of those even though they weren't in Egyptian bondage they were still in a wilderness. He's like, if you're in the wilderness if you're in the wilderness, come to me, anyone you can come to me and you can you can drink and and, and, and you'll never thirst again. And not only that, but out of you will come hope and help and life and the spirit. And So Jesus is tagging on to the Moses story. Can you see that? He's tagging the Moses story. And, um, and, and he's talking about two things. Especially, you see it in the Moses passage. Grace and glory. Grace and glory. Grace is one of my favorite words in the Bible. It should, should be one of yours as well. It just, it, I know it means unmerited favor, but it, it also means capacity. It talks about how, how though we do not deserve protection in the wilderness, he gives it to us. Though we do not deserve water or bread, God gives us. He gives us whatever we need wherever we are so that we can be strong beyond our capacity and, and we can endure and we can be delivered and we can be guided. All of that is grace. That, that's why Paul in one place can say, yeah, I'm hard-pressed on every side but never crushed. Yeah, I'm perplexed but I'm not going to be in despair. Yeah, I might get persecuted but not forsaken. I'll be struck down but I'm never destroyed because there's a capacity inside me that is beyond me and what should have happened to me can never happen to me because God is for me. Grace. Grace. I didn't get what I deserved. I didn't get what I deserved. I came through it better because of grace. And, and I really just want to spend a moment really detailing how grace worked for Moses. Because it's, it's amazing. The first thing is that grace really brought Moses a friendship with God. 
It says in verse 12 of Exodus 33, it says, you said I know you by name and I have found grace in your sight. Verse 11, right before that says, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So the first thing that the grace did for Moses was bring this very unique and wonderful relationship. This access to God. It's like God delights in Moses. You can almost hear them talking among themselves. God said, oh, Moses, I just enjoy being with you so much. And, and I enjoy our conversations. And Moses, I just want you to participate in everything that I'm doing with all th these people. And here's the thing I really want to emphasize. Moses knew he was a friend of God. He wasn't, he wasn't like, oh, God, are you going to smash me today? No. He's like, I've got grace. I, I, I'm, I'm a friend. And remember, nothing in the Old Testament could ever be superior to something in the New Testament. And so if we're talking about grace in the Old Testament. I don't know if there's anyone in the early service, 8 o'clock. Oh, what an early service. I don't know if there's anyone in the, in the early service this morning that, that can say, I know I'm a friend of God. But that's what grace is. That's what grace is. Like, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I've got shelter. I've got bread. I've got, I, you know, I've got his grace. But not only did grace establish this unique friendship with God, grace established Moses' testimonies. And I've already referred to, to, to that. But, oh, my goodness, they've got such a relational history. I mean, God and Moses, they just, that's what old people do when they've been in relationships a long time. They just tell stories with one another. And, you know, I mean, just hang out with Beck and me. We'll, we'll tell you stories. I mean, we'll tell you about how, you know, we lived off ten, a 10-pound 10 bag of potatoes when we first got married for weeks and weeks. You know, just potato soup, hash browns, potato, baked potatoes, every way you could have a potato. You know, we, we, we could tell you about that. And we could tell, we'll tell you. You hang around. We'll tell it over and over and over again about the angel who visited our, our church when we were just getting started. And for three Wednesday nights in a row, she wrote a check on an account that was non-existent. Existent because we checked. The checks were so large, we couldn't afford the return fees. So we did an investigation, and, the, and you, you guys are looking at me like, I don't know if I believe this. That's okay. I don't care. I mean, I know this, this happened. We were so broke, and she wrote three Wednesday nights, and then she disappeared. But the money cleared the bank, and it kept our church going when there was no other way. I can tell you some stories. And that's what God and Moses are doing. They're just telling stories. Like, oh, God, remember when we crossed the Red Sea? Oh, my goodness, I just, I, I just couldn't believe. I just couldn't believe. I mean, it was so, we were so afraid, and you just told me to put that rod down, and I put the rod down, and, whoo, the wind began to blow. Oh, and God, what about the look on Pharaoh's face when I threw that rod down, and it turned into a snake? Oh, and you did so good, God, with those frogs. Who would have thought of frogs? Oh, my goodness, there were frogs everywhere. It was so uh, amazing. And, oh, God, remember when you took me up to the mountain and, and, and we wrote those commandments and, and my face was so bright. And, oh, God, we've been, we've been, I don't know if there's anyone again who, who just knows what it is to have a testimony or if there's anybody who could just sing, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, your grace over my life has been amazing. But Moses had a friendship with God. He had a history with God. And yet, there's strife in his heart. Now again, let me just emphasize the Old Testament. Glory 
shows glimpses and hints of New Testament glory, and New Testament glory gives the stories of the Old Testament depth and meaning. But, but pay attention to this Exodus 33. There's some details here. If you read Exodus 33, you'll notice, for instance, in verse 7, that Moses lived in a special tent. He lived in a VIP tent. It was called the tent of meeting. It was outside the rest of the village. And when Moses began to walk out toward his tent of meeting, I can just see people getting out on the front porch going, uh-oh, he's going to the tent. He's going to the tent. And when he would get outside the village to the tent, he would go in the tent and the cloud would come into the tent. I'm not talking about the cloud that your computer uses. I'm talking about the cloud of God's glory, his presence. And if people needed anything from God, they would come near the tent of meeting and out of Moses' innermost being, because he was in the presence of God, there would come from Moses' belly the help, the wisdom, the strength that the nation needed. So Moses had a friendship with God, and, and he, he had um, this incredible, uh, incredible, what was the second point? I lost my place on it. Uh, he had a history with God, and he had a special tent with God. And yet he wasn't satisfied. He wasn't satisfied. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, there's an episode where some of the leaders became jealous of the relationship that God had with Moses. And, and, and uh, there was a little bit of an uprising inside the church. And, and uh, so God called Aaron and Miriam out. And he listened. This is, I'll just read the Bible. It says, hear now my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Now, that explains why, for instance, Daniel had all those numbers and Ezekiel saw like a wheel within a wheel because God would speak in mystery. He would speak in code language to the prophets. But, but I'll make myself known to him in a vision. I'll speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The, the phrase face to face is what intrigues me, even though I know that's not a, a literal face to face. That's what the Bible, or what theologians call anthropomorphism. It's, it's, it's when you ascribe a human characteristic to God so that we can try to know something about what otherwise would be unknown. But here's the real idea of that little phrase. They were talking face to face. It means mouth to mouth. It means they were whispering. They were talking plain to one another. I'm just spending some time with you this morning talking about the grace that came to Moses because he had this friendship and he had these testimonies and he had this special tent and he had a cloud where the presence of God would come in and he had this plain talk from God. And yet, Moses wants more. And that leads us to this amazing conversation in chapter 33 of Exodus. It begins in verse 12. Moses says, God... Remember, plain talk. You asked me to bring up your people, but you haven't let me know who's going to go with me. I realize that you've given me grace and that you know my name. But if I have found grace, show me your way that I may know you. What? Fine. Let me find grace in your sight that I may know you. Nobody on the face of the earth knows God better than Moses. 
But Moses wants to know him. And God responds and he says, my presence will go with you, Moses. And Moses says, okay, if your presence doesn't go with me, I can't go. And I think that's brilliant because Moses knows that whatever has happened to this point in his life is not about him. I mean, he held a rod that God had given to him and he did some praying and he handled the tablets of stone. But he knows that everything that has brought them to this point was all God. God, this is all you. I know what's going to make us a special people. I know how we're going to conquer our enemies. I know where that bread came from. It's about you and I'm so excited that your church has already begun as a miracle church. It's already begun with supernatural dispensation. And, 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 and yet, please, as you go forward, always remember, if God does listen, if God doesn't go with you, let's just stop right here. This is enough. God says, again, Moses, I'm going with you. You've found grace, and I know your name. And Moses, the audacity of this, where does this even come from? It's not even in, like, a transition sentence. It's just like, show me your glory. That's a leap. I, I mean, I know that God knows everything, so he wasn't caught off guard. He probably, maybe he was expecting it. I don't know, but it seems like he's like, whoa, show me your glory. You, you want to see my glory? <laughs> and there's a very interesting process here. God says, well, I'd like to show you my glory, but there are some side effects to my glory. <laughs> and, uh, I'll tell you what I'll do, Moses. I'll let my goodness pass before you, I'll hide you in a rock. And if you'll just stay in the rock, my glory will pass near you. And I'll proclaim my name, but I'll have to do it in moderation. Because there's just a whole lot more to me than you've ever imagined. I can let you see a portion of my glory. But you got to stay in the rock. And I just want to remind you that the New Testament is so clear that the rock in the Old Testament is a picture of Jesus. And I just need to say, Jesus is going to be my rock. I'm going to stay in him. And as I stay in him, I'm going to see his glory. In fact, that's the transition because we've been talking about grace, but now I need to talk about glory because grace means capacity and strength. Glory means the heaviness of God, the weightiness of God. It, it's, I talked to the leaders uh, this week about how it's when the attributes of God are visible to the humans in the earth, when the attributes of God actually come into the earth. And we have only and always seen the glory of God in moderation because, frankly, even now the molecules in our body are not engineered to be able to contain the glory. I mean, I don't know how many can remember the old Indiana Jones 
Thrones movie where the dude lifts the lid off the Ark of the Covenant and their flesh just starts melting off of them like a nuclear reaction. Some of you are nodding like, yeah, I got that visual right now. I know what that, that is. And yet Moses is like, I don't even care. I, 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 I want... I want to know everything about you. I want it all. I want to know who you really are. Please, God, give me, give me more of you. I'll take the risk. And, and the lesson, I hope, is obvious by now. Moses' hunger for God never stopped. The experiences that he had were not enough. The grace that he had was amazing, but it really became a platform for him to say, just show me, show me more. Show me something beyond the Red Sea. Show me, show me more than the manna that shows up every morning. God, my heart longs for you. Now, if you're new to the faith, and, and I, I paid attention that we have Texas guests here today. And maybe you're like, hey, I just came today because I needed a little help raising my kid or my marriage. And I'm not really into having my skin melt off my bones and uh, uh, I don't really want that kind of a relationship with God and yet I need to warn you it's kind of a tricky God. If you hang out with him you get sucked into something that simultaneously satisfies you but causes deep longings. I don't know really if I'm describing it but your thirst that nothing in the world has ever been able to satisfy suddenly does get satisfied but at the same time you're like oh God I just need I want more of you and you do you end up with stories you end up with special tents and and, and clouds and all kinds of craziest things but can I just say that what I've been teaching my church and what I want to teach you today is very simply that the greatest responsibility and the privilege that is before us in this generation is that God we would say God please God, please. We're so tired of religion. We're so tired of forms and formulas. God, show us your glory. Please, show me your glory. And I'll just close this message with just some summaries and sort of takeaways. Because I'll be honest, I haven't always wanted the glory. There were times in my life when I just wanted the ministry, not the glory. There were times in my life when I just wanted a healthy family, not the, not the glory. But can I just say, the glory can be in those things, but they cannot thrive without the glory. They're not made to stand alone. And so here are just four or five action items. Number one, remember that Moses' search for glory began with grace. Paul says in Ephesians, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Moses knew, he knew that he didn't deserve God's kindness, and yet he lived in confidence that he had received it. I hope you have that. I hope you have grace that gives you the confidence that you're loved, you're wanted, you're just. Listen, it's not grace unless it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing because it comes to fugitives who have murdered people, you know, and messed up their trajectory. It's amazing because it never stops. It's amazing because it's greater in the wilderness. It's, it, it's amazing. I mean, no matter how disappointing your life has been, how broken your life has been, grace, grace. But the second thing 
about Moses that I think ministers to my own heart is that he made a very courageous decision. He chose an identity that kept him close to God. Um, Hebrews 11.24 is, is summarizing the life of Moses, and here's what it says. It says, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When he came of age, he made a choice. He refused to be, he made a choice. He, he could have lived as the grandson of the most important man in the world. He could have lived in the palace with all the wealth and all the girls and the finest food, but he, re, he, he refused. And I'm just, the question I guess is what are we refusing in order to grow in God? What are we refusing? And, and every human being has to make this choice and maybe make it more than once because it's a choice about where you're going to find your significance. Am I going to find my significance in my peer group or am I going to feel accepted in life by what I wear or, the, or what I drive or, 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 or the alternative? Will I belong to people who, who are committed to stewarding the grace and the glory of God in the earth. I remember when I was in high school, I was just like, dude, I don't want to be a radical Christian. I just want to be saved and get to heaven, you know. I don't want to be one of those crazy people that carries their Bible around all the time. And I just, again, I just, it just doesn't work like that. God's jealous passion for you will not leave you in a palace filled with idols. And identity is such a big deal today. I mean, everybody's looking for identity. And, and really, it's, it's the synonym for significance. What makes you feel significant? And, and the thing that makes you significant is a clear understanding of to whom you belong. It's the longing to be, longing to be something. And when God comes into your life, you belong. You belong. Number three, not only grace, not only identity, he... he he chose, I don't know if you're going to like this one, he chose to suffer a while. And then I, I, I talked to the leaders about this as well, but in verse 25 of Hebrews it says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He looked to the reward. Paul says the same sort of thing in Romans 8. He says, I consider the sufferings of this present time. They are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Is your worship pastor's name Jordan? Is it Jordan? So I, I asked him to come back up and, and, and not not now, Jordan. I, I was just telling a story. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Come on up. He's so ready. He's so ready. It's like, oh, finally, finally, the sermon's over. <laughs> um, asking him. Asking him when he was playing that song about Shekinah glory, I said, hey, there's going to be a moment. And did you sense when they were singing and playing that song that, like, did you feel the weightiness of God come into that? Well, you know, I, um, I, my, I can't play the guitar or the keyboard or the drums, but when I was a kid, my, my friends all decided they were going to join a band and they could all play, but I couldn't play. But I lied about it, and I told him I could play the drums. Because anybody can play the drums, right? I mean, I just, so I lied about it. And in fact, for the first few years of my life, I told my kids that I used to play drums for the band Chicago. And I, I just tell you, if you live with a lie, you're going to get caught sooner or later. And you'll just... Listen, 
I can live with, I, I can live with an anointing. I can enter an anointing, but I can't play the guitar. I can't, I can't play the drums. I can't play the keyboard because, listen, while I was playing stickball, those guys were suffering. Those guys, they entered into, Jordan entered into, while I was running around, he was practicing his guitar. And now, he can carry a glory and I can only carry jealousy. See? <laughs> I, I don't know if this makes, makes sense or, or not, but Moses is hungering for a participation beyond moderation, but he knew that if he was going to come to a new level of glory, there had to be a right kind of suffering. And I'm not talking about religious suffering. I'm not talking about, you know, forms of godliness that don't mean anything or just, I'm not even talking about being weird. I'm just talking about knowing that there's someone, there's something worth being devoted to. There's someone, there's someone worth giving my life to beyond the treasures and riches of Egypt. I mean, when I, when, I, when I married Beck, don't take this wrong, but when I married Beck, there was some suffering involved. That makes you feel awkward, right? Because she's in the room. But, I mean, let's be honest. I lost, I lost a lot of things. I lost, I lost control of my checking account. You know? I, I, lost, I lost the ability to have any place to myself without her knowing where I'm at. She's, her favorite text is, you know, W-Y-D, you know. What are you doing? Even if I'm just like laying down on the couch taking a nap, I want to jump up and just, oh, I'm mowing the, I'm mowing the yard. I'm doing so, you know. I'm, I just lost a lot. But it's worth it. It's worth it. How much more is a relationship with God worth it? If <laughs> we have to give up a few things on the way. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Number four, I got to finish this. And Moses engaged experiences that testified to the reality of God. He engaged experiences. He engaged experiences that testified to the reality of God. We could talk about the Red Sea. We could talk about him going to the mountain. He, he, he stood against rebels. He, you know. He had activities, the activities of his life invited God to engage his life story. And God always, always showed up. And, and then, I, again, I, I just, I'm contending for testimonies. Do you have any of those? Do you have any yet? Any testimonies? Because God will show up. He will show up. He will show up. Oh, I wish I had time. Maybe I'll tell it in the second service. About, I mean, we had a for real, for real blind eye healed three Saturday nights ago at our service. I mean, the, 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 dad, the dad went crazy because this kid, had, he's 12 years old, he had, had brain damage, and, and uh, you know, he, his, his eye was crooked, and it went straight. And so he took the kid out and said, can you, it made him read the fire extinguisher print. I can't even read the fire extinguisher print. He came back in the worship, he was going crazy. This kid had brain damage. I, I, I won't tell in the second service because I'm telling it here right now. Uh, but uh, this kid, because he had brain damage, he couldn't, he couldn't walk more than 20 steps. That was, the, that was the capacity of his physical ability. But God touched him and 
for an hour or, or more, he just ran all the way around during the service. A little distracting, but it was fine. We need some distractions every once in a while, right? I mean, he's just running around, running around, running around. God wants to show his glory. And that's the main thing. This is how I want to close. God imagined, Moses imagined God's glory in the earth. He imagined, he said, please show me your glory. And he just thought that was possible. And can I just say, that's what, that's what aligned his heart with God's heart. Because, is it Habakkuk? That says, the prophet says, on behalf of God, there's going to be a day when the glory of God will cover the earth the same way the waters cover the sea. And, and Jesus' final prayer, his final prayer in John 17, is, uh, oh, it's such a beautiful prayer. He says, Father, I glorified you. I showed the world your attributes through my life. He says, now my final prayer, Father, is that you would take the glory that we have shared. I can hardly say this. Give it to them. Give it to them. That's, that's the final prayer of Jesus before he goes to heaven. Give them our glory. Let them live in our glory. Everywhere I've been speaking, like I've been talking about three promises that God has given our church. And I feel like it resonates with Jacob and Leah's heart. But number one, I really believe that God wants to increase the, would you stand together? Would you stand? He wants to increase the tangible presence in the gatherings of his people. We, we were watching our service. It's five hours before you guys. We were watching our service, and uh, my Pastor Tim, he was with you guys not too long ago. Pastor Tim, he's preaching for me today. And in the first service, he could hardly stand up and, and preach because the presence of God was so thick. That's a promise. God wants to show his presence. The second thing is an increased manifestation of his glory. And honestly, I don't, I don't, I want it to be signs and wonders and healings. I want it to be supernatural resources, people breaking spirit. I want it to be, I, I don't care how God shows himself to the earth, but, he, but I want him to show himself through us and increase. And the third thing is that there's a whole lot of people who are going to start following Jesus who have not yet. So that's a promise. It's going to be a harvest, you it's going to be a harvest in Kona. It's going to be a harvest in this, in this part of the world. It's going to be a harvest. And this church is going to be a strategic part of, of those things. I want us to sing this song, and then I'll turn it back to Pastor John. I want to have a closing prayer, prayer over you. But then we just sing this together. We wait for you.
that you know you're a candidate for a, a fresh infilling of God's presence, His glory, His love, His strength, His grace. One of the ways that you know that is just by paying attention to what's coming out of you. If what's coming out of you is anxiety or anger or frustration or dryness or whatever, then that makes you a candidate for Jesus' words. Remember when He said on the last day of the feast, Anyone who's in the wilderness, come to me. I'll give you, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'll give you living water. I'll give you, I'll give you whatever, whatever you need. So you can't, you can't change what's coming out of you until you have a fresh coming into you. And so I just want to pray that, you know, this church, any individual who's here today, just say, I'm not really happy with what's coming out of me right now. Toward my kids, toward my spouse, toward my, at my job. I'm just not really happy with what's coming out of me. You know what? That can change. That can change. Do you mind just lifting your heart with your hands? Everybody. What if we could just pray together Moses' prayer? Just, just say it so simply. Please show me your glory. Come on, just. God is hearing that prayer right now. Please. Please, God, show me your I don't know if you've had a lot of God or a little God. It doesn't matter. There's more. There's more of God. A little or a lot. There's more. There's more. God, my hunger for you, my desire for you. It's just a logical thing. I, 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 I need you, God. I need you. I need you, God. I need you to visit me. I need you to fill me. I need you to help me. And yet, God, I'm so confident that the grace that came to Moses and the grace that has come to so many, Lord, it comes to me. It comes to me now. And so does the glory. The grace and the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I decree over this house, this church, 
that this will be a house that stewards the manifold grace and glory of God. That, Lord, the earth will know who God is by what's coming out of this church. Yes, The attributes of God will be on display by the members of this church. Lord, I thank you that hope is a manifestation of your glory and peace and joy. I thank you, God, that your intention is to raise up representatives of your glory. Yes. And we thank you that that's happening even now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give Jesus praise. Would you do it?